Gone are the days of knights and chivalry, and yet that hasn't changed God's vision of you as a man of valor. Today, pornography is a simple mouse click away, and sexual addiction is at an epidemic level. Dr. Mark Laser is an internationally known author and speaker, the leading Christian authority on sexual addiction, and the host of Faithful and True's online radio production, The Men of Valor Program. Here now is Dr. Mark Laser. Welcome to the Men of Valor program. Today, uh, Randy, we come to the final installment of our very long series on the 18 principles of uh, accountability in the book of Nehemiah as they appear in the Life Guide for Men, published uh, by our friends Life Recovery International. And uh, I was just thinking last week when we were talking about this that these are now about 20 years old, which is Interesting, because the story of Nehemiah is about... I was going to say, back when you and Nehemiah went to school together? <laughs> back when we went to school together in 445 B.C., which is when this story takes place. You look really good for your age, Yeah, Mark. I know. This modern cosmetology has uh, really been yeah. interesting. So, well, uh, this series has gone quickly. When we first started it, and you realized that we basically had 18 shows to dedicate to this, yeah. we thought, well, this is going to carry us for four-plus months, but uh, it seems to have gone by in the blink of an eye. Uh, Nehemiah Principle 18, by the way, is transformation results in a willingness to sacrifice even your own life. Yeah, and what, what uh, the background in the story, and again for our listeners who you know, like to actually read the scripture, uh, this appears in chapter 6. Uh, last week we talked about the fact that the enemy had been unsuccessful in their military attack, and we're now trying to plot to uh, get Nehemiah down off the wall, away from the wall. That was last week. And uh, he, at every point there, says that uh, you're making this up in your head, basically, <laughs> these false rumors. I forgot to mention that last week, that he says, you're making this up in your head. You know, it's what you're saying is just not true. He doesn't come down that way. So the final act of them trying to distract him to get away from the wall so that they can kill him uh, they actually send a person in uh, to the city who is an uh, invalid, uh, some guy by the name of Shemaiah. And uh, I think he must appeal to you know, Nehemiah's compassion because he's an invalid. Maybe that's why they sent him. But basically, Shemaiah says, it's dangerous up there on the wall, and you should come down where we could go to the temple, he says, and uh, we would be safe in the temple. So they're definitely appealing to Nehemiah's sense of safety, personal safety. And of course, uh, the Bible tells us that if uh, Shemaiah was successful in getting him to come down off the wall and, and go to the temple, there were assassins lying in wait who uh, would have killed him. So, which is interesting in that by staying up on the wall where there was the perception of greater risk, if he had come down from that risk, he would have actually been killed. Been in more danger. More you danger. Have a, you have a fantastic analogy in the workbook, though, that, that really caught my eye in the fact that you said you were advised by people that you know, and in many cases people that you have great trust in, that uh, following 9-11, that you should not travel and you should not be teaching, yeah. and you should not be addressing large crowds uh, you know, in the wake of 9-11. Right. So that shows you how old the workbook is, if I'm writing about that. But uh, that was true. There's been a number of times when that has been the case. I remember uh, so distinctly. It wasn't just about 9-11. 
uh, although that was certainly true. Uh, immediately after 9-11, there was one of my speeches that was canceled because the airlines hadn't gotten back up and running. Debbie and I were invited uh, one year to uh, go to Korea to teach, and right before we left, Koreans were doing some more of their saber rattling, like they are currently doing as we record this broadcast. Of, you know, they were shooting off missiles or you know, rattling sabers. I, I don't remember what they were doing. And uh, it was interesting in that to fly to Korea, to Incheon Airport, one of my pilot uh, clients who actually flies that route said, you know what happens if you overshoot the uh, runway in uh, Incheon? And I said, I would have no idea, you know, what happens if you overshoot the runway. And he says, if you overshoot the Incheon runway, uh, you wind up in North Korea, is what he said. It's that close to the demilitarized zone. He was making a joke, you know, a pilot joke. If you're going to overshoot the runway, there's going to be other consequences. But I remember there were family members uh, of ours, you know, that basically said, do you think this is a great time to be going to Korea? You know, there were colleagues, there were friends, there were family members who were all um, doubting that. And uh, it was actually Debbie, as we were literally sitting at the McDonald's at the Minneapolis airport, ready to get on the flight to go to Tokyo and then on to uh, Seoul. She said, you know, if God's calling us to this trip, do you not think he will protect us? And, uh, you know, what kind of, what kind <laughs> I, of a spiritual I, leader am I? I think that when my wife is so right. Yeah. <laughs> when she's got greater spiritual wisdom than yeah, I do. They, and they, greater courage, I, I think, actually. Well, uh, you know, it, it is amazing what they're capable of saying and thinking. And, and she could not have been more correct. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. do we not think that this was God's calling, yeah. that the two of you get on that plane and go all the way to Korea? For, for the many that needed to hear your message. And that was a great teaching trip. It led to some other things. It led to the book being translated. You know, God was was clearly in it. And I do remember, you know, kind of like the voice of Shemaiah here, wouldn't it be safer to stay in Minneapolis? So another time that uh, was really fascinating to me, uh, we were going down to Boca Raton to do a workshop, uh, which we've done several of over the years. And uh, Uh, The day before we were to fly down there, there was a hurricane that looked like it was uh, possibly going to bear down upon the southeast Florida coast. And I'll never forget getting to the airport the next day and going to the uh, boarding area, and I was like the only one there. You know, it was like I was going to have this whole plane (laughs) to to myself, which I eventually almost did. I mean, I think when all was said and done, there was probably... 20 people on this flight, and those were all people that lived down there and had to get back. Uh, I remember getting on my cell phone in the uh, boarding area and calling the the host, the friend of ours uh, uh, down there. I just said, you know, what's your deal? What's your understanding? And he said, oh, Mark, he said, it's no big deal. These these hurricanes uh, basically rarely go where they say they're going to go. (laughs) So uh, if I were you, you know, uh, I, I would have no problem getting on the plane. And uh, I can let you know that the uh, conference center where we're doing this workshop is, in fact, one of the uh, evacuation shelters or the the safe shelter. It's hurricane-proof. So, you know, in other words, get on the plane. Yeah, you're going to be in one of the best possible places should that occur. Well, you know, but again, through my, in my mind, it would have been safer to stay in, yeah. <laughs> in Minneapolis. But, but, but what was so fascinating about it is that he was exactly right. So we get down there. Literally, and you know Florida, uh, there was not a cloud in the sky (laughs) 
the whole time we were down there. I yeah. mean, we had 80 degrees and sunny for three straight days. The uh, hurricane spun off to the east. It dissipated. Yeah, it went over the ocean and yeah, just fell apart. Just fell apart. Mm -hmm. And uh, but I, you know, and we're giving some rather dramatic examples uh, uh, of things that can can tempt us. You know, not to stay on the path, not to continue the work that God is calling us to do. Uh, so I think part of what we're saying here in this last principle, though, is that uh, we need to be willing to be people of sacrifice if we're pursuing God's calling. There, there may be some times when it does involve risk and does involve doing some things that are outside of our comfort zone, for sure. Well, you say in the book that only Jesus was perfectly self-sacrificing, but we can draw strength from his example, face our fears, and ignore the voices that suggest that we abandon our work. That's right. This really involves abandoning our work, our calling, our path, our purity, because it seems like the safer thing to do. How many of us have said yes to things because we didn't want to face the rejection of others and so forth? So I think oftentimes we agree to do things because it seems like the safer thing to do. Well, let's take our break right now, Mark, and when we come back, we're going to wrap up this 18-segment series on uh, the principles of Nehemiah. You are listening to Dr. Mark Laser, and this is the Men of Valor program. struggle with the use of pornography? Faithful and True is a Christian-based counseling center specializing in the treatment of sexual addiction and compulsive behavior issues. Our well-trained staff has the highest levels of clinical expertise combined with personal experience to understand and effectively treat your sexual addiction. We have a proven track record for helping men who are seeking a transformation in their lives. Our Men of Valor three-day intensive workshops, led by Dr. Mark Laser and Dr. Greg Miller, are the most effective and affordable treatment program in the country. Our workshop alumni rate our workshops as life-changing. We also offer workshops for spouses and couples. If you're ready to make a change in your life and are seeking a treatment program provided by the top Christian experts in the sexual addiction field, visit us today at FaithfulAndTrue.com to learn more. That's FaithfulAndTrue.com. Trigger of the Week. Trigger of the Week, Randy, was uh, suggested to us by Debbie today at lunch. And I think it is good once in a while that we present a trigger that's more of a trigger to the wives. Although in this case, I think it should be a trigger to the husband in such a way that it would be not a trigger to his wife. But they have to explain it to understand that. She was saying that she was just talking to a wife whose husband is, in fact, in recovery, is sober, but he continues to be the uh, CEO or the the owner of his own small company or whatever the size company is. And uh, it's part part of his job to interview all potential hires and that uh, in that capacity he has been interviewing women. And uh, so he's the boss. 
and uh, he's now interviewing women for new positions. And this, I should say, was a guy that had affairs. So uh, this was obviously a trigger to the wife. She's got high sens- sensitivity about his interaction right. with women. I think we could make this even broader and say that, you know, a lot of the men who uh, do work in business and industry, they um, they do have to work around uh, women. And even though they're in recovery now from having affairs, they, uh, you know, the fact that they're around women uh, or have business meetings or are sometimes asked to travel with other women, that could also be a part of this trigger. And I would just say that all of us men who have ever had to do that, we, we need to be extra specially attentive to our boundaries and, uh, you know, like for instance, in this, if I own a company, I'm probably going to figure out somebody else to interview these employees or to supervise them when they actually start working. I just recognize that, you know, at least in the first year, two or three of my recovery, I'm probably not the safest uh, person. I get hooked in too much. So uh, there's ways around this, and I think there's ways to help the wives feel safe. Uh, and that's our responsibility as men to come up with what those are. Well, this immediately reminded me of one of one of your stories. It's one of my favorites of your stories, uh, talking about when you worked at the center out in Los Angeles, right. out in Malibu, in, and you had pre-arranged with the staff uh, that if they saw you uh, approached by... Uh, one of the women patients or visitors, uh, because a lot of times those patients were well-known actresses and, right. and performers, and it would be very tempting, as you were tempted or mm-hmm. attempted to be tempted right. by by one of your all-time favorite actresses. You had made accommodations uh, to be accountable uh, in 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 advance of it happening. So as soon as she approached you, right. there's there's that 15 to 30 seconds uh, that it yeah. took for them to get over and say, um, mm-hmm. it's time for you to move away, and right. Dr. Laser has uh, uh, other uh, responsibilities that he has to go on to. Right. Um, it's the same thing here. You have, to, you have to have a plan. We have to have a plan ahead of time, which takes us back to one of our earlier Nehemiah principles, which is prepare ahead for the attack that you know is going to come. Right, exactly. Well, let's return our listeners uh, as we wrap up this series on the principles of Nehemiah. And I like how in the book uh, you talk about tying it all together. And you've gone to such great length to teach the 18 principles from Nehemiah because you believe they provide a wonderful example for the total process of living in freedom every day. And it's a story of humility and courage and action and focus and dependence on God. And it illustrates that the seven principles outlined in this guide, mm-hmm. you know, can be a powerful resource. Well, that's right. So what I always tell the men that come to the workshop when we teach uh, principles of accountability is that uh, I always tell the story about, you know, when I uh, had my 25th anniversary of sobriety. And I was always asked the question, how did you do it? And uh, my standard answer was, by doing in year 25 <laughs> what I did in year one. So in other words, this is an ongoing program. I think uh, in totality, you know, when you look at all of the things that we've been talking about here, it must seem to some overwhelming. You know, these are a lot of things to think about, and uh, it's definitely worth it. So in other words, in fellowship, I mean, part of the general nature of this is that Nehemiah was, you know, strong in character himself. The rest of us, I think, need to have lots of other men in our lives if, you know, we're men. And the women also, uh, even in their own recovery, even not as you know, sex addicts or the ones that sexually betrayed their spouse, I think uh, women also need to be accountable to 
you know, whatever program they're working for their own support and their own growth, their own spiritual guidance and that kind of thing. So, I mean, that's one of the last points I wanted to make, that this is not just about the men. It's also sometimes about the women. Well, I like how um, you urge that during those times when you're tired and you're lonely and you're frightened, remember Nehemiah's story and be encouraged by his example because you too are doing great work as you build a life of purity and good things may start coming to you in a shorter time than you might have imagined. You know, you commonly get that question, Mark, uh, how long will it take me? Well, you know, it takes you... uh... If you come to a workshop or you make a commitment and pledge to uh, uh, get sober, you get sober and you're sober. So you're sober day one. How long does it take you to accumulate 25 years? Well, it takes you 25 years of 365 (laughs) days, but it is, in fact, one day at a time. Uh, So there, there can be immediate success is what I'm trying to say. Now, it's like when we become a Christian. I mean, we find that we're indwelled with the Holy Spirit the time we first accept our dependence on Christ, and that feels really good, but we still have a lifetime of trying to figure out how to follow him uh, without getting too distracted by by some of the things we've talked about in this series. Maybe a good place to close, Randy, would be, because uh, this, this last principle is about sacrifice, and I think all of the principles, if we're really going to work them, are about doing the hard work and being Uh, men and women who are willing to sacrifice and that's a famous story that I tell but you you know you almost have to have come to the workshop for me to tell it because you know we have a a flag that we display in the workshop have I told this on the radio show before do you um maybe but uh we've done 220 shows now so I I don't remember everything uh, you don't remember. I, I, I have to start paying more attention. Isn't that part of your job description? I think, I think so. Okay. <laughs> you need uh, to be an instant resource for everything yeah, I've ever uh, said. No, no, no. I just hate being redundant. But uh, this story is worth retelling and retelling. And I'll try to make it short. We had a man come to the workshop who identified himself uh, as being in the military. Well, as we got to know him, it turned out that he was an Army Ranger, Special Forces, Delta Force. I mean, the elite of the elite, the strongest of the strong. He had grown up, uh, his father was uh, an African-American soldier over in Japan who had impregnated a Japanese woman, did the right thing, got married to her, brought her back to the States. But this uh, soldier grew up biracial, uh, you know, half Japanese, half uh, African-American in Southern culture and, you know, did get a lot of teasing. So he joined the Army, eventually became tough and, you know, became the toughest of the tough. He came to the workshop because one of the ways he'd been coping with being so tough was, you know, massage parlors and other things. Uh, And uh, he got sober. He uh, uh, got sober right away. This was early, uh, like January of 2001. Back in those days, uh, I always did a uh, phone call, a conference call with guys on Tuesday night. Uh, They'd all call into an 800 number and we uh, would just talk about recovery. And week after week after week, uh, this guy's first name is Pat. He was on the call every week, just faithful as you would expect a soldier to be. And uh, he stayed sober, and his marriage was improving and all of that. So uh, this went on until uh, 911 happened, and uh, Pat was on a call with us the, that week. And he said, I'm sorry, guys, that uh, I have to leave a little early tonight because I have to get packed and get ready to go. We're getting shipped out tomorrow to Afghanistan. And I said, I'm sorry, Pat, that... Uh, you won't be able to be on the call, and thank you for your service and the work that you're doing. 
And he said, oh, I'll be on the call. You know, I, I plan to be on the call. And I said, how can you call into a US 800 number, you know, from the depths of Afghanistan, wherever they're going to send you looking for bin Laden? And he said, oh, don't worry about it, Mark. He said, we have some access to satellites that no one knows about because we're Delta Force. And uh, that's all he said. I said, all right. So sure enough, the following week, now he's over in Afghanistan. And just like every other Tuesday night, he's on the call. And this goes on for a number of weeks. And finally, one night, we're uh, just talking on the call. And in the background, uh, we hear explosions. And uh, Pat said, uh, uh, sorry, guys, I got to go. And uh, uh, But he left the phone line open. And so we're now hearing explosions and uh, gunfire. gunfire and all of that. And then sure enough, about 30 minutes later, he comes back on the call. And uh, what he wants to know is, where were we? What were we talking about? He didn't want to, you know distract us with, you know, what was going on for him. But he was also concerned that he had missed something good. Yeah, that he, that he had missed something good. And uh, I'll never forget it. I said, Pat, you got to explain to us, because we were thinking about you, praying for you, because we could hear all this stuff going on. And he said, oh, Mark, it was no big deal. We had some bad guys out there, and we had to go get them. And so <laughs> I said, did you get them? And he said, yeah, we got them, Mark. Now, what were you guys talking about? So in other words, his, uh, his laser focus on uh, recovery uh, was not even deterred by the, the actual uh, physical attack of, a, of an enemy. And that kind of brings us back to number 18. You know, here's a man who has been willing to lay down his life for his country, and but even in the middle of an actual physical attack, uh, he was still uh, more concerned about being the man that God called him to be. And uh, it's our great honor that uh, several years later he sent us a flag from one of his tours over there in honor of our room where we do the workshop. And he sent a note, and he said to us, kind of, kind of summarizes in a way, Principle 18, he said, everybody, you know, wherever we are is going to get attacked. You guys there in the, in the workshop, uh, Satan's going to be lobbing uh, lies in there, just like the enemy lobs uh, IEDs or grenades or, RPGs whatever. or whatever they are. And uh, he said, uh, Satan is always going to attack. And you always need to be willing to, to be men who are uh, willing to sacrifice. And uh, in the words of Nehemiah, stay up on the wall. So as we conclude this series, Randy, the building project of our lives uh, is an ongoing building project. Uh, stay up on the wall. Don't get distracted. Find your community of men and uh, encourage each other. You finish this beautifully by saying time belongs to God and he will guide your journey from beginning to end. You've been listening to Dr. Mark Laser. I'm Randy Everett, your co-host, and we thank you for joining us, uh, not only for today's show, but for uh, those of you, and we have heard from many of you, we appreciate it greatly, for those of you that have joined us for all 18 installments of this uh, new series. We will be back again next week and start a brand new series, uh, of which I can't even tease you on right now because it has not been hand-selected yet. But uh, we look forward to it. Until then... May your week be filled with many blessings and great vision. You've been listening to the Men of Valor program with Dr. Mark Laser. For information about this program or to learn more about Faithful and True, visit us at FaithfulandTrue.com. That's FaithfulandTrue.com.